Welcome to the Catapulting Commission's podcast. This is the place where we discuss how to maximize performance and improve retention with today's modern sales force. Every conversation on the show has one goal in mind, and that is to catapult your commission. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia, international best-selling author, motivational speaker, and a lifelong sales enthusiast. Be sure to join me every week as we interview sales leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world. We will discuss best practices and ensure that you leave motivated and inspired to take action. Now, let's enjoy today's episode. Catapulting Commissions family, what's up team? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. So I am fanboyed out over our show today, and it's been a long time since I'm like, oh my goodness, I get geeked out. If you've listened to the guests we've had on the show, and this is no discredit to every other guest, because we have an amazing roster of people, but when we had John Lee Dumas, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm geeked out. When we had Rory Vaden, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm geeked out. And we had Anton Gunn, I got geeked out. This guest lines up in this same category, and it hits close to home for me. Here's the deal. One of the greatest books that was ever given to me was called The Ultimate Sales Machine. I first built my very first sales team in 2005. And I was like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? Where am I going? And just like any young entrepreneur, I got beat up and you learn some things. And somebody gave me a book. If you've heard the phrase education-based marketing, lifetime value of a client, or any one of the phrases or acronyms or things you hear right now from some of the top influential leaders and you source back, where did this come from? Like who, who really changed the game? There's a name out there that I'm sure you've heard of. So let's talk about it. Today's guest Her name's Amanda Holmes. She is the CEO of Chet Holmes International, which has worked with over 250,000 businesses worldwide. At the age of 24, she inherited her father's multi-million dollar enterprise, which specializes in helping companies double their sales. Amanda has merged her father's proven process with her own forward-thinking ideas to connect the old-school sales process with hybrid, online, offline, instant gratification, the short attention span we see in consumers today. Her success has made it clear that she was born to lead. Check this out, guys. In her first two years of taking the helm, Amanda increased the company at Chet Holmes by 1,176% and doubled coaching clients two years in a row. Since then, Amanda has continued to scale the company, making an impact worldwide with continued double-digit growth. Amanda's mission is to teach the the last and most important message that her father never got to reveal to radically change the lives of those passionate about success in sales. Amanda, welcome to Catapulting Commissions. My gosh, can you just follow me around and give that kind of intro everywhere I go? That was awesome. Thank I you. would love to. I would love to follow you around. So, Amanda, I'm so, so jazzed to have you on the show. I'm so jazzed, the, the ultimate sales machine. But I'm so excited that you are bringing the ultimate sales machine back. I mean, we are the ultimate sales machine. I don't know if it's, it's is it called 2.0, but it's, it's a new version. We're re-releasing the ultimate sales machine. And for those of you that haven't had it or found the link, you'll get the link in the show notes in the description below. But let, let's just jump into this, Amanda. You, you have a book, Ultimate Sales Machine, widely regarded as one of the top 10 sales or business books of all time. And that, that category of all time, I mean, there are some great thought leaders that have it there. You're re-releasing this book. You made some changes to it. Why are we updating this book? Oh, when my father first came out with the book, websites was two words. (laughs) 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 Website became one word, right? So my father really developed a lot of his strategies pre the internet. 
And when it had come out, it was right as the precipice of the internet started to be known. But a lot of his understanding was through cold calling, right? Direct mail. Uh, he dominated in those fields, billboards, radio, television uh, ads. So I looked at this new edition and went, or when I went to do the new edition, I thought, oh my gosh, I have to do, because the, the strategies are timeless. It's the tactics that have changed. So all I had to do was adjust the tactics. So I'll tell you, for example, one of the things I did was I took one of my father's um, uh, radio ads that he ran. I mean, we made tens of millions of dollars from these radio ads. And uh, I took them and I used the same script and I used it as a Facebook ad. And it actually decreased my ad spend by 30%. It was converting at such a great level that I could, that it was the best performing ad that we had just to prove that it is the timelessness of the strategy. It's just the tactics that change. So it used to call to a, to a call center and then everybody would dial in and give a free report versus what we do now, whereas you click on a button and you have an automated page and you give them that and then you automate the next five steps. So it's, it's just minor shifts that make it all so relevant today. Um, that's what I've done for the book. I, I love that you take in this book. You say something here that, that I've talked about often on the show is, is the quality of the messaging, the quality of the strategy far supersedes the glitz, the glamour, all of this, this fun stuff. So you took a strategy that your father introduced many, many years ago, pre-internet, and you said, hey, I'm going to put it in the digital world. And it's still effective. So, so I love that the proof is in the pudding and you're delivering it. Can you, can you share us some insights on some of the, the, the changes you, that are, you've implemented to make it for the modern day consumer? Because one thing you, you often talk about, and, and I follow your stuff, and we have the opportunity to chance to work with, uh, work with each other at times, is we're competing right now for consumer attention. I mean, there's no shortcut to it. I mean, we compete for consumer attention. And I remind myself of this when I do a task and try to stay focused on a task and something, I turn notifications off because fantasy football's here. So it's football season. So a charger goes right on top of my screen and I'm like, oh my goodness, I have to know what the chargers are doing. Never mind the work I was doing for this client. And all of a sudden there goes five minutes of my time wasted on the chargers. And now I'm like, I have to tell my wife, I know I'm supposed to be at dinner at 530. I need some extra time because you know, at 11 a.m., I had to see what ESPN had to say. So how do we, like, what are some of the strategies we've, you're putting in the book that are working with today's modern consumer that is distracted for time? Mm, okay. Well, I'll, I'll, read, I'll do the time one first, and then we'll go into industry changes amidst consumers and, and okay. the clutter factor, as you were saying. Uh, I love what you said there. So my father said that email was the death of time management. And I looked at that and went, well, if email is the death of time management, then your phone has become the plague. We mm. touch, we pick up our phones and, and open them 96 times a day. We touch our phone, just touch it on average over 2,000 times a day. So, and research has shown that UC Irvine proved that when your focus is derailed, it takes an average of 23 minutes to get back into focus. And in that time, it's the equivalent as if you had either drank beer or you had only had four hours worth of sleep. So you're operating at a lower mental capacity when you're perpetually being, um, you know, my father used to call it a one minute manager. Hey, got a minute. Hey, got a minute. Well, the people that used to say, Hey, got a minute. It's now become AI with notifications popping up of every different app you have on your phone. So as you're saying, it's critical to have what my father called 
pig-headed discipline and determination to shut off those notifications, even putting your phone onto airplane mode when you're working so that you don't hear all the ding, 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 ding. Turn off your email notifications today. Turn off, if you have Slack, if you have Trello, if you have Facebook, those notifications will just derail you from what the true focus of what you have to get done. And we have to be laser focused because the shiny object syndrome has just taken over our world. So that's one piece. Do you want to say anything to that before I hop into the industry trends? Uh, oh, 100% guilty of that. Catapult Commissions family, if you're guilty of that too, like just let us know, put a comment in the show notes or put a comment off if you're watching this on YouTube or if you're listening to a live, shoot us a DM. Let us know how are you distracted? Like what is the most distracting part of your day. And at the time of year for me, false fantasy football, self-admit it, got to get that better. Amanda just motivated me to do that. So I appreciate that. Let, let's jump into the industry trends here. Yeah. So when my father first came out with the book, the average company used seven different marketing mediums. Today, we use an average of 13 marketing medium with five social media platforms and three paid advertising sites. So we're doing double the amount of work, but only for a fraction of the results. You would think that, that all of those marketing tactics that we're doing would make sales easier to do. However, with salespeople, they went from an average of five touches to get to a sale to now it's more on eight to 12 touches to get to that appointment or to get in front of a prospect. So there's the noise in the marketplace. My father used to call it the clutter factor. I mean, he never would have even, I'm sure he couldn't even fathom this concept that um, there are now 3.8 billion social media sites today on the web. So 15 years ago, you were just competing with the people that had the budget to go on radio or television or do ads that cost money. Today, you're not competing with every mom, woman, child, father, dog that has a social media platform that is putting out content. So we really have to get ironclad on focusing who is our target demographic? Where do they spend their time? How do we talk to them? where they are at, what keeps them up at night, not you, your product, your service. And then how do we lead them into an education? Because 97% of prospects feel that salespeople are too pushy today. So stop selling and start educating so that they lean in and want to have that dialogue with you so you can close more business. Oh, I love it. I love what you're saying in terms of the industry. It, it, hearing that, that there's twice the amount of marketing mediums that the average company is using today for half the output. It's 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 kind of scary. It's kind of like, okay, I have to be willing to adapt, pivot what I'm doing. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the concepts we talk about on the show is always like, Hey, what worked for me 20 years ago doesn't work for me today. So I'm not saying to put experience by the wayside when you're building your sales team, but we have to be willing to adapt and innovate and, and move forward. And so it sounds like you're doing that with the book. I love how you said the salespeople, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So you said salespeople are, are uh, for let's be honest, they're a little pushy. Right. There was an article not too long ago in Forbes that said 55% of salespeople lack fundamental sales skills. Like the, the evolution of the salesperson today is changing. When I, when I work with, let's just, let's, let's give a scenario. When I work with founder-led companies where the founder is mm -hmm. still somewhat involved in the sales process, the number yep. one concern they come back to what you just said about educating the market. And it's, if I educate for free, then why would somebody pay me for what I do? And this goes to that service-based provider. Can you, can you share some thoughts on that? Because you, you, you alluded to educating, but there are people who still exist that are like, ah, if I educate for free, then why would they pay me? Oh, that's such a good, uh, 
there's a balance there, right? So on on one half, my father always said, give your best stuff for free. Mm. So um, he took what a Fortune 500 client would pay a quarter of a million to half a million dollars for uh, to get his consulting into their business. He put every piece of that over, you know, decades of that consulting work into a book that you can now pay $17 for. And when it first came out, his clients were so angry. <laughs> they said, you know, I spent a quarter of a million dollars for what you put in here. How dare you? <laughs> and, um, and even when we think of which chapter we give away for free, we give chapter four away and we call it the chapter that changes lives because it shifts how you think about how you market and sell and that messaging to get more of the marketplace. You get nine times more impact from every move you're already making to generate new clients. Um, but that chapter four is the best chapter. And he gave that one for free. So those are examples of, okay, I'm educating the marketplace. But for you and I, we both know how many people read the book and how much of it do they actually implement, right? So if they hear you say something brilliant on social media, or if they download a white paper, or if they hear you from a talk, they conceptually understand it. Intellectually, they may understand and they say, yes, that's brilliant. But the percentage of people that actually implement is few and far between, <laughs> actually. So they need your assistance to implement. And we have great case studies of people that have had huge success. We had a client that used a Dream 100 and closed an eight-figure contract um, that was six times more than their average sale. And they've never hired us for coaching or consulting. I will tell you that I've harassed them and I continue to because <laughs> I'm big headed and I just can't help myself. <laughs> why, why wouldn't you pay us to do help you with this process? It will be faster, but You'll have some of those, but if they have a great win and they're uh, a shepherd of the brand, right, then those will come back to you. So there is a balance between sharing it and then recognizing their ability to actually implement what you're, what you're telling them to do. I love it. I, I always, for me to understand this visualization of what you just shared, I always look at the weight loss industry or the fitness industry. Like mm -hmm. I can, for me personally, right, I can watch a workout video. I'm like, man, that's great technique. That's that's awesome. And, and someone could walk them through the whole workout. Do this, do that, do this. It's awesome. I need someone to help me implement it. Like, I got to be honest with you. Like, I, I, need, I need that implementation. I need that accountability. I, I need the, the systems in place. There are people who are self-paced and can do it. We have a tonal upstairs, which is someone comes on the screen, talks, he works out. My wife loves it. I did it twice. I'm like, I, I, need, I, need, I need somebody yelling at me. I know this visual person's talking <laughs> to me. The virtual, I haven't adapted to it just yet. Maybe I will in the future. But I always look at the, the implementation of the strategies we learn is far different than just knowing about it. Um, so I, I love how you, how you share that. You did mention something about the dream 100 and how it helped mm -hmm. grow. And this concept and premise of the dream 100, um, I, I gotta be honest with you, Catapult Commission's family, very rarely do I ever say something is revolutionary. Very rarely do I say something, hey, this is a complete game changer in business. And this is one of those times that I'm gonna go against that. The dream 100 is a concept that I learned and I, it's game changing. And you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it injustice. Amanda, <laughs> help us understand what is the dream 100? Who is it for? And how does it help? So the dream 100 is the fastest, least expensive way to double sales. It's the one strategy that has doubled the sales of more companies than any other. And it's a really simple premise. There are always a smaller number of better buyers than there are 
all buyers. So that means that marketing and selling to them is cheaper than marketing and selling to all buyers. So if you are having a hard time with your profitability, if you are um, can't quite find a roadmap for how you're going to grow your sales this year, right? If you feel like you're just running and trying to generate more clientele, uh, but it just feels like you're in a hamster wheel and nothing ever actually brings you forward. This is a great concept. And it was originated from my father. He worked for the billionaire by the name of Charlie Munger. He's co-chairman of Berkshire Hathaway. And he doubled the sales of nine different divisions for Charlie, all within 12 to 15 months. And several of them doubled multiple years consecutively. So he realized that he had a system for how to double sales. And it went something like this. So he was given a list of 2,000 different advertisers or prospects to go sell advertising to. So we looked at that 2,000 list and went, wow, that's a lot of cold calls. Maybe I'll do some research on them. So we did some research on that 2,000 and realized that 95% of the market was purchased by only 167. So instead of going spray and pray after those 2,000, he led an intensive effort just to those dream 167. That's where the dream 100 came in. And that's how he, but a caveat and a very important piece to this is the first four months, he got not one sale. And we're talking, you know, every week, one week, he's sending out a direct mail piece. The next week, he's following up with a phone call. The next week, he sent in a fax. I mean, these are, we now have more updated tactics, right? But this is what he was doing. So there was a cadence that happened once, if not twice a week for months. So he's doing this. And then people start talking around the office, like, who's this sales expert? <laughs> what sales expert doesn't get a sale, right? But he's going after the biggest, best clients. So fourth men. Uh, in the fifth month, he closed the largest contract that the industry had ever seen. It was Xerox. He brought Xerox into their industry and then closed another 28 after that. And he doubled sales and continued to double sales because he worked at that one skill set, the Dream 100, and refined it and made it better and better. It's something that our clients utilize for a decade. You can be practicing your Dream 100 strategy for a decade. It'll just get better and better. The tactics may change but the concept is still the same. Who are those bigger, better buyers that will buy more from you than anybody else? They buy more and they buy more often. Mm, I love it. The bigger, better buyer. Who doesn't want that catapult commissions family? We all want the bigger, better buyer. I look at service-based providers, service-based professionals that are selling their service, specifically if you're in the coaching industry. I, we, we've had service-based providers that have come or listened that are coaching or consulting. And I'm always, I always say, hey, do I want 100 clients that are going to pay me $1,000 for the year, or do I want 10 clients that are going to pay me hundred grand for the year? I want 10 clients that are going to pay me hundred grand each for the year. Every day of the week, twice on Tuesday, and you're never going to change it. So I love that, that approach of the Dream 100 and somebody uh, really channeling it. So let's just say we have, we have founder-led service-based people that are, that are listening in. Some of, some, of, some of our listeners are corporate, and they're like, okay, so let me, how do I, there's two parts here, I guess, how do I narrow down who my top 100 are? Because data can be incredibly con confusing if not used to harness, right? So like, are there tools you recommend? Or, or is, this, is this something that I'm supposed to know as the, as the industry expert and retaining, retaining you know, your, your methodologies here in the Dream 100? How do we find this Dream 100? Oh, you loaded that question. It was such a good one. <laughs> so we, we actually have a 47-point checklist to determine your Dream 100. It's 47 steps to really hone in. I mean, we're talking, so you are so laser-focused, and everybody on your team, if you have multiple people on your team, 
are all on the same page because you've just gone through every permutation. But if I had to give you one quick takeaway, and that's something that you can get chethomes.com. But if you want an exercise that you can do right now, my suggestion would be go and pull a list of your past clients over the last year. You could go two years or three years, but just for now, pull a list of all your past clients and then how much revenue they spent with you and uh, have it listed by biggest, right? Who has spent the most from you down and then look and analyze that list. So what we find majority of the time is that 80% of the revenue is produced from 20% of clientele. Uh, Yeah, there's so many stories I can tell about this, but um, so as you're looking through also, take note of are there clients that are just break even where I'm not making any profitability here, which is critical for businesses. And a lot of the time we do find that when you're analyzing that list, you start to realize I should be saying no more often. I should stop wasting my time with these clientele, right? We don't take the time to step away from our business and analyze it. And so that would be one good takeaway that I would say. Oh, I love it. I love it. And it's, it's truth. I mean, there's really, there's a lot of truth there. I know I looked at my own business and there's times where if I'm using my time on something that's not really the most advantageous, highest revenue producing, highest revenue producing activities, because we definitely talk about the activities you mentioned that, you know, uh, your father was faxing, calling, you know, sending paper. I mean, I look at that process and I chuckle, but you know, as a salesperson, I, I remember doing this in early 2000s and putting faxes and trying to get creative with my fax covers and trying to hopefully it stands out on the fax cover sheet. So I know that process. So I, I love what you're saying. That. So even now, whatever you're focusing on, Catapults Commissions Family, it is that high impact, high return activity. Uh, I love that. But let, let's just say, so we, we get this dream 100. One of the mistakes, that, or at least my opinion on the mistakes I make, is when people identify this dream 100, they assume that they are going to care about what I have to say or sell. Like it's here, look at my widgets, look at the features, look at my benefits. How do we craft a message that helps us say something of value to this dream 100? You know, I, it's like I found the dream 100 and I, and I always think about the, the, the movie, the, the Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith, right? He's calling these people. He makes a phone call and finally someone answers this call and is like, hey, what's up? And instantly, I mean, he, he does it really well. I myself would question if I was a young broker at that time and, and the, the CFO of the company I was calling picked up the phone and said, yeah, come over. I would, uh, uh, what, what am I, we run out of stuff to say. So how do we craft a message that's going to help deliver the value to when we get in front of this dream 100? So that's a critical piece. So for everybody that listening, if you want to draw a triangle on a piece of paper, if you have a piece of paper, draw the triangle you don't have a piece of paper, visualize what I'm saying here or get chapter four. So you draw a triangle at the top of the triangle, just at the tip, about 3% of that triangle, you draw a line and right next to it, 3% buying now. So at any given time, whether you're in front of a stadium of people, you're cold calling, you're posting on social media, 3% of the people that hear your message are in the buying now category. They're interested. Then do another line at just 7% of that um, buyer's pyramid. So 7% are open to it. They're thinking about it. They might be researching. Then the the rest of that buyer's pyramid, there's three sections. You can do equal 30, 30, 30. So 30% think are just not 
thinking about your product, right? Or service. Uh, the next 30% think that they're not interested. They already have an opinion. And the last 30% are definitely not interested. So 90% of the people that you are reaching out to, whether it's your dream 100 or where you're doing your ads or where you're cold calling or where you're social selling, 90% of them don't care about you, your product or service. So if you reaching out, your messaging is talking about, hey, I'd like to talk to you about my services. They're great. They're different from the rest. They're, I'm the best. I swear it is. Let's get a call to set up and talk to you about it. You're only going to get that 3% and that 3% is who all your competition is fighting against. It's just that 3%. So my challenge to you is what would be something that you could give that's of education that would reach the entire buyer's pyramid? I'll give you an example. So one of our clients, we do this thing called the Core Story Bootcamp. We teach this education-based marketing approach. And he went through it in four weeks. Two weeks afterwards, he generated $8.4 million. So six weeks in total. He built his messaging and then deployed it. And he did it by, he was selling farming equipment to farmers. And he used to call and say, hey, I'd like to talk to you about your farm equipment. Do you have a moment, right? And they gave him say yes or no, but only 3% would be interested. So instead he said, I'd like to give you an education about the five critical areas where you're losing profit on your farm. Would you like to have a conversation? All of them said yes. He gave that presentation and that education, which led them to trust him, respect him, see him as the expert. So as he led into, okay, now let's have a dialogue about what's going on on your farm with your uh, equipment. They were much more willing. And it ended up closing 8.4 million in sales. Whoop, whoop. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. my goodness. So sure. the, the premise of, of, of that concept of, of education-based marketing, developing your core story, it's, it, what you just said is so common in the sales world right now. I mean, I, I speak with founders that, that call me for consults. And the first thing, I'm like, okay, well, what does your sales process look like? Oh, well, we call somebody and we say, hey, can we talk to you about our lawn mowing services? I don't have any lawn mowing clients, so that's why I just picked the most <laughs> safest one I could say. Let's talk about my lawn mowing services. Well, no, I'm not interested in, in your lawn mowing services. I have a lawn mower. I have somebody or I do it myself or whatever it is. And, and we go through this, no, and then you go through this phase of no one's buying, the market's cold, the market's dead. And I believe our thoughts become a reality. So, it, you know, being an entrepreneur, being a high-performing sales professional, it, it's, it's, there's a mental fortitude that comes with it, being able to say, okay, I can withstand this. But even the best, we get beat up. We definitely get beat up. So I love the approach of that core story. Now, I, I want to talk a little bit about, about Chet Holmes International as, as an overall. Uh, uh, along, you, you developed, you, you mentioned the Dream 100. You mentioned the core story. These are concepts, correct me if I'm wrong, that have come from the ultimate sales machine. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Is, is there any other services that Chet Holmes International as a company helps with clients that are developed from the ultimate sales machine? Or if they're not, I mean, what is Chet Holmes as a company or Chet Holmes International as a company doing for its clientele today? Absolutely. Yes. What a great question. So I'll, I'll lead you with this. So it, I wonder if you actually know the answer to this question. What, what percentage of businesses do you think make it to a million in annual sales? Oh, I do know the answer to this. It's, it's less than 10%. I know that. Maybe even less than 5%. Eight, yeah. eight. 95% of businesses will never make it to a million yep. in annual sales. Of that, 0.08% uh, make it to 5 million. Of that, 1.5% make it to 10 million. And of that, 0.004% make it to 100 million and beyond. 
So the steps it takes to grow your business actually have nothing to do with people's product or service. As much as you think, I have this great product. If that was true, then McDonald's would not be the number one most grossing hamburger joint, right? Because I could think of 50 others that have a much better hamburger than McDonald's. So it's the skills, right? It's the skills it takes to grow the business and skills can be developed. So we teach those 12 skill sets it takes to grow at different phases and different levels of sales. And it can be delivered by, uh, we have the book, we have courses, we have live boot camps, like the Dream 100 boot camp and the Core Story boot camp. We have one-on-one coaching and we have done for you services. So it's all around what support does the business owner and uh, company need to be able to get to that next level of their revenue. Mm. It's here, Here's the deal, Catapult Missions family. There are people who grow businesses, there are people who grow companies, there are people who say they do. Amanda Holmes and the team at Chat Holmes International, I, I, I don't want to say they founded it, but they kind of did. I mean, this is truly game-changing stuff from years, many, many years ago when I was first introduced to the concept of business sales and marketing and realized that this is what I wanted to do for a living. I was like, oh, these, these concepts and premises are great. They're nice. They're, they're, they work. Holy crap. And then Amanda comes along and she's like, we're going to make them work for the digital world and beyond. And it's, it's 100% true testament firsthand. The things are growing here. So um, I, love, I love hearing what Chet Holmes is doing. And uh, if you are that entrepreneur that's trying to crack that million, that 5 million, the 100 million, you know, it, it just pure statistical analysis alone says it's not an easy road. So why not get the help to do it? So I, I love that. You know, Amanda, as you took over Chet Holmes International and built it, I feel like you just, you've had a recent resurgence in the world of social media, in the world of, of influence. And in, can you kind of help me understand some of the progression you've taken over the past couple of years to bring you back out and, and bring Chet Holmes? Because let, let's be honest, Chet Holmes International, the, the book's a staple. It, it's doing business just because of the value it has delivered. I can pick up the book. I can read it. It's implementable. I mean, you have recently made a resurgence yourself. What prompted you to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to take this thing by the horn and we're going to steer it and, and I'm going to come out and I'm going to start sharing some of these concepts and premises um, out in the world of social media and online? Do you want the truth? I would love the truth. But if you want to tell me a lie, I mean, I guess it's between me and you and the audience, but I would definitely appreciate the truth. Okay. So before I inherited, so my father passed 10 years ago and before I inherited it because of his passing, um, I was a singer songwriter and I had nothing to do with the business. And I love my father dearly. I, I mean, I was a full-time caregiver for him for the year and a half that he fought cancer and he never spent a night alone, 352 nights in the hospital. It was me, my mom, my brother. We just would spend all nighters in there with him. And so then when he passed, I, there was no succession plan. There was no plan for me to step in. And I just looked at everybody and they looked at me and we went, oh my God, this, <laughs> this is a mess. I don't want to be a part of this. They agreed that I shouldn't be a part of it. It was just, it was a terrible scenario, uh, quite a tragedy. And um, for the first few years, I hired different C-suites to try and fill the void of my father passing. And uh, eventually I ended up stepping in as CEO. I've been CEO for eight years now. And we had some great traction when I first stepped in. And 
it got to a point where I had stabilized the business. I had reinvented the marketing and sales process for this newer uh, marketplace that we were experiencing. And I was beat. Similarly to what a lot of people are experiencing post-COVID, right? They're just like, I got nothing left. I don't got anything to give. Like, I I need a reset. So I spent two years where I only worked a couple hours a week, maybe one day a week for one of the years, and then a couple hours a week. And everyone was able to carry on, you know, the different division heads helped with those divisions. And I spent more time talking to plants than people. Okay. (laughs) I spent a lot of time in a nonprofit called Divine Bliss. And that just helped me heal. I had a lot of healing to do and a lot of um, balance to get back into myself and to have faith in humanity again. Because a lot of terrible things happened in the wake of my father's death. You know, people see money and they run at it and they're rather vicious about it. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, after those few years, then I started to... I, I, you know, you can see that books are still selling. I'm not putting any marketing behind it. It's just the love of the content and the training. And I thought, you know what, this does need to be revamped. And there's some things that I'd like to do in, in the business world today and, and bring a little bit of the, the nonprofit values and mission that I had gotten from being in that world and bring a bit of that into business, maybe a bit more soul. And so that's kind of ignited my whole, okay, let's do this. Let's uh, reimagine what the ultimate sales machine will be for the next decade. And so then I finished up the book and redid all of our boot camps and doing all this new training is just to, um, I'd like to believe that it's giving a little bit more balance to business and reminding us of what what the purpose of life really is. And I'm trying more and more to incorporate the parts of fulfillment and abundance. Well, I will say this, Amanda. Thank you for sharing that story. I know it's incredibly vulnerable to say the changes uh, or, you know, like the, the impact of, of happening from the the passing of your father. I, I get that firsthand. I know, I know what that's like. My father passed away six years ago. Um, and, and I know everyone has a, a different process of grieving and healing and death does do, I'll call it weird things to a, to a family at certain times. And, and it's, uh, so I am very empathetic and understanding of exactly where you're coming from. I will say this. I'm, I, I think the message that you're sharing and reinvigorating with the ultimate sales machine is a message that needs to be shared, needs to be spread, needs to be heard because you're, you know, we as a civilization, I truly believe my core values is we only get better as we grow and we have to grow. We have to innovate. We have to improvise. And you are leading some incredibly tested philosophies, tested strategies that we know work and we're making them applicable for today's consumer. And I, and I love that. Um, I'd like to ask you a question and, and it's, it's, it may be a little vulnerable. It may not be, but I, I had an opportunity to, to preview some of the, the ultimate sales machine, the new edition coming out, but what struck me, and I'm going to say this without getting emotional. (laughs) What struck me is you created a forward in your book that says, dear dad, and it talked and it's, it's a letter. And as you shared dear dad, I, 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 I listened to you sharing dear dad. I'm like, Oh my goodness. There's, there's so much value here because it's you authentically you and it's you sharing 
some really privileged and private insight into your life, into Chet Holmes' life, into Chet Holmes International. Can you give me a little little background on how you how Dear Dad came to life? One, but how Dear Dad came to life to be in print in the book? Because I, as you share that vulnerably, I have a letter I wrote to my dad that hasn't seen the light of day, <laughs> and 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 I don't even know if it will. I don't know if it'll ever see the light of day. But I, I'd love to hear your story on that. And this may be a little bit vulnerable for some of our audiences that's listening that has lost a parent. But I mean, it's it's reality, it's life, it's growth. And, and if you're comfortable sharing the sharing that with us, Amanda, I'd love to hear that story. Yeah. Um, and I definitely I would love to if you'd be willing to share with me even your your letter to your dad. I think that would be really touching. It would mean a lot to me. Um I yeah. you I can do that. I, I can do that. I, I can I can share it with you. Um, I haven't I haven't really shared it with anybody, but I can definitely. Um, it's probably time. It is. I'm not even probably. It, it is time, and uh, I, I won't get into depth on it. Either. I made a pretty um, in emotional social media post a couple of years ago when the Dodgers won the World Series because to me that was like one of the last things my dad and I had planned uh, together. Never came to life. Well, he was alive, um, and so that was like you know such an emotional experience. Um, but yeah, I, I can, I can definitely do that. I love that. Um, yeah. So I believe in coaching Mm -hmm. just like coaching is critical. So anything that I started my life, I always try to find somebody that's been there already to help guide me there faster. And I had been working on the new edition of the book for four years And it wasn't looking like it was going to finish. I think I could have written it for another four years. So I found a book coach to help guide me to finish the book. And our first meeting, I said, okay, here is my foreword. It's Dear Reader. He's talking to the reader. And it was, uh, her name is Julianne Eason. And she said to me, she goes, Amanda, you know, I was thinking about this. And I really felt that your foreword should be Dear Dad. And it was like this guttural, like, no, like I was instant. I turned that one down. I'm sorry. Did I hurt your ears? No, no, head? not at all. No, 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 you're good. <laughs> I saw you move your your earpiece. I'm like, oh no, I've screamed that too loud. But it was it was intense, and with a lot of fury, I said, absolutely not. Would I ever share that in the book? And she's like, okay, okay. And then after some time, I'm like, okay, well, you are my coach, and I have hired you to guide me in the first instruction you give me, I can't just say no to, so I'll do it, but it's just an exercise. It's not going in the book. She went, okay, that's fine. You know, obviously touched a very sensitive place. And a couple hours later, I was sitting in a cafe in Puerto Rico and I all of a sudden felt like, oh, I think I might be able to write this letter. And if you ever have those moments where you feel like you you feel like something's coming or like, you know, something bubbling from within you. I always, I'm huge about this. Just stop and do it. Like write it, say it, whatever you have to do to capture it. I think that's from my songwriting days of like capturing something when you're in the moment. So I sat down and I just started to type on my phone and I'm telling you, tears were streaming down my face, like ugly cry. Like I was in public, right? Ugly cry. Um, and out came Dear Dad, and it was in one fell swoop. And it's just this letter about how wonderful my father's legacy has helped so many people since his passing. And I even 
I, I shared some things too about things that I was very upset with as well, because, you know, it wasn't easy to be handed this company or companies with so many staff. and I never got instruction. You know, we, we had nearly a hundred all-nighters in the hospital together. Never once did we just say, Amanda, here are the people that run my companies. Here are what my companies are. Here's what I would like to see from the companies, right? So, and then Right before the manuscript was due to the publisher, I found this because the only way I learned my father's business was by reading his emails. So I was digging through his emails saying, oh, please show me something that I can put into this book that you've never released before. I need to find this. And I came across this letter. He said, I've generated more wealth in the last six months than in the last eight years combined. And it's because of this. And I, I realized, oh my God, I've found it. This is the gold. This is what I want people to know. So it became the encore that my father never got to give. And that's chapter 13, how to live a rich and full life. So it's a combination of my father and me, but it's also built off of the, the foreword or both hand and glove. Well, Amanda, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I, um, <clears throat> I really do appreciate hearing how dear dad came to life. Um, I, I understand what it takes to just sit and put thoughts out. I, I love that. And, and hearing the message from your dad, I've accumulated more wealth in the past six months than the previous eight years. Was it previous eight years combined? Yeah. I mean, it's, there's a message there and I'm, I'm incredibly excited and, 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 and like a humbled and honored to, to know that this, project is coming back to life and you're sharing a message that I think we as entrepreneurs, as visionaries, as business owners, as sales professionals, as, as parents, as, as just humans, we benefit from getting better. And when someone has done something and created something for us to get better with, with, I would call it off self and on purpose, right? And I'm a, I'm a big believer that when I work with somebody, whether you're a client of mine or you've asked me to, to work in part of your organization, I'm, I always look at the leader. I look at the founders of the companies I work with. Are you off self and on purpose? Because if you're, if you're only focused about yourself, no matter what you will pay me, I'm probably going to turn it down. And with, with the philosophies of, of what the ultimate sales machine brings and hearing your story, I mean, this is your dad's work the definition of what I would call off self and on purpose here is how we grow business. It's, it, it is so, so groundbreaking for me. So I love that. Uh, Amanda. So when, when does the book come out? How does someone get access to the book? How do they learn more about this and all that fun stuff? Yes. Uh, you can get your pre-sale copy right now. Uh, chapter four is available when you purchase at ultimatesalesmachine.com. It also comes with some really awesome bonuses. We're doing a launch party with, I have secured uh, Russell Brunson and Jay Abraham. And uh, there's some that I want to say right now, but I can't yet. Oh, Jeffrey Hazlett, old CMO of Kodak. Um, yeah, lots of wonderful speakers as well. If you sign up at ultimatesalesmachine.com, Rather than going to Amazon, on Amazon it won't be available until October, but then you won't get special bonuses. Catapult Commissions family, go to ultimatesalesmachine.com. We'll have a link for that for you in the show notes. You'll, you'll be able to get right to it. Go reserve your copy, read chapter four, 
And and I, I guess you know we have a few minutes here left, Amanda. Like let's just let's just pinpoint who this is for. Who benefits? What business profession, job title, career status, where they're at? Who benefits from picking up and reading the Ultimate Sales Machine? Who's this book for? Entrepreneurs, C-suite, salespeople, customer service, admin. I mean, it's hard because every chapter is another piece of what it takes to grow a company, whether it's time management to hiring sales superstars to messaging to effective presenting and how to live a rich and full life. So I would really say everybody and at any any phase of your business, whether you're starting up or you're a Fortune 500, I mean, these are things that we've implemented with 80 of the Fortune 500. Uh, Catapult the Commission family, that audience is you. <laughs> Just point blank, it, you fall into that category and I'm, I'm excited. Uh, hopefully you can tell in the tone of my voice and the, the contents of the conversation today. Uh, this show wasn't like every other show we have where, uh, uh, you know, Amanda has definitely shared something that, as I said from the beginning, hits close to home on numerous things. I, you know, someone asked me what I do for a living. Like I'm a self-imposed sales junkie. I just, I love the science, the philosophy, like everything that comes with generating sales and Mark, it's just, I, I'm a geek over it. And then Amanda shares a story of the impact of losing her father that hits close to home for me. So I, I hear a lot. And so I'm incredibly humbled and, and excited to have had you on the show today, Amanda. Um, we at the Catapulted Commission Show and our family, we wish you nothing but abundant success. I know this is groundbreaking. Um, is last thing, if they want to get connected with you, um, any social media uh, URLs or any social media profiles you want to share so the family can find you? I'm on all of the social medias, but if you want to know where I spend most of my time, it's on Instagram. And since Amanda Holmes was taken, it's my salsa name, Amandita Holmes. Oh, wait, you dance yeah. salsa? Oh man, I was like competitive for a while. Nearly oh. competitive. I didn't like their outfits. It's a little too scandalous for me, but the dancing I loved. Oh my goodness. Learn something new every day, including in the last minute of recording a show. I did not know that. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, Amandita. <laughs> I love it. I We are going to have the... <laughs> The URL links to get connected with Amanda on her social media links. You'll find those in the show notes. Uh, you'll find the links to get a copy of the book. Do me a favor, Catapulted Commissions family. You know what to do at this point in time in the show. Go do me a favor, like the episode, comment, share us some feedback, share us what you take away from today's show. Subscribe. And I'm going to ask, share this episode. I, I really think there's a message here to be heard. So share the episode. Tell somebody, hey, just listen to the episode about the upcoming book, The Ultimate Sales Machine, the re-release. Amanda's bringing it back to life and it's relevant for today's modern consumer. So as always, I'm humbled and honored you joined me this week. I appreciate the audience. I appreciate your, your love and support. Amanda, thank you for joining the show. We wish you nothing but abundant success. Catapults Commissions family, you know what to do. Like, subscribe, comment, and we will see you next week. Catapulting Commission's family, that does it for today's episode. If you found some value, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe. That way you're notified of new episodes. If you want to see the video portion of this podcast, head over to YouTube and look up Catapulting Commission's podcast. Finally, if you want a free copy of Catapulting Commission's, be sure to text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Again, text the word HELLO to 
8967. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll see you next week.